You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. Got with me Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams coming to you on this Tuesday afternoon. A little bit chilly here in Athens, Georgia. I think it's about 45 this morning. Kip, uh, let's start with you. How's this Tuesday treating you? I almost had to turn the heat on this morning. I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> it, got, it got close to being I, I 60 in the work. house. I tried. Uh, it didn't work here. <laughs> I thought about it. I layered up and, and tried to, you know, just gut through it on the on that first day. But a 20 degree drop, you know, that's that's serious right now. It felt good for about, you know, five, 10 minutes after that. I, I was about done with that. I'm, I, I like, it, you know, to maintain a, a room temp. And it was definitely below that this morning. But, hey, that's what the bye week's all about, man. That's, that's, that's what we're doing here. We're rolling. So I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I made sure I layered up before we podcasted. Rusty, you got a little campfire set up there in Rome. What's going on? Well, normally, I got my winter weight on already, so I'm good. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, my eight-year-old does not. And uh, so I told my wife yesterday, you know, I'll try this heater just to turn our heater on, central heat and air unit, and turned it on, nothing happened. I was like, oh, gosh. So, yep, under the house, flip the old switch. So that uh, it worked this morning, but. My goodness, it is. I don't know what's going on with it. I got we got to get an HVAC system uh, sponsorship out of this thing somewhere. That's what I was going to say. Get all uh, dense and heating and air. Some of those guys on board the podcast get us going. I think that's the move. I got a couple buddies that's been doing it since high school, and man, they. Uh, I have to call them in the off season, make sure that I know that I, that I actually love them. I don't just call them during the winter. <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to do a mailbag episode of this podcast and everybody that's watching live and, and uh, on Facebook and also on YouTube, feel free to drop, uh, drop questions in the comments. But before we get into that, guys, we've got to talk about the big news since the last time we podcasted. Georgia gets a quarterback commit, Ryan Puglisi, uh, 2024 three-star quarterback. I uh, want to start with you, Rusty, just your thoughts on Ryan. I know a lot of people... Uh, we're kind of drawn, you know, a little bit intrigued by his rating, um, but just what you've heard about him, what Georgia is getting in this quarterback. He blew away the staff at his workout. Like, in fact, what I was told, um, he had a workout so good, they took a second look at him to make sure, I guess, for lack of a better term, it wasn't fool's goal. You know, like, they knew who he was, but when someone walks onto campus and kind of gives you that that kind of recruiting shock, you want to make sure everybody's on the same page and this is what we're seeing. and. I think after the tape of his first two games, it, it was they were locked in on him. And this kid's six foot three, two hundred five pounds. Uh, I watched some tape last night, and 
anybody that's followed my work, I don't like to compare. I just I just don't want to do it because it, it's it's a no win situation for that kid. But I can tell you just from the arm angles and some of the throws he makes, it's kind of got that Mahomes to him, the Patrick Mahomes to him, where he can throw it from any different angle. But last night I saw a clip where he flipped one, I think 53 yards off his back foot and hit the kid right in the stride uh, under pressure. So, you know, Georgia offered on the spot, Alabama offered on the spot. And, you know, back in August, um, Kip remembers kind of, you know, I kind of put my foot down and said, listen, guys, don't everybody needs to know this name. This, this, this is for real. Now don't worry about his ranking and all those things right now. This kid is a for real, for real target. And all that matters is what's on that board in Athens. And, you know, talking to some people, I knew he was really, really high up there and, uh, doesn't mean that some other kids weren't, but this kid was, he was very, very high. He was a priority for Georgia. They locked in on him. And I think after those first couple of game tapes came out, I think I think Georgia and, and and the Polisi family made the move. Like, look, we we both want each other. Let's go ahead and make this commitment. And um, that was a. I think his rating. Listen, I do. I have nothing to do with rankings anymore. Uh, but but my experience with this, I, I felt confident that he would uh, he would rise. And but based off his tape this year, not just because he committed to Georgia. I mean, now he has more eyes on him. But that tape is what people are, is going to back people up. He's got legit size and. I just think this kid is, uh, you know, from what I know right now, uh, he, he's pretty he's pretty damn special. Kip, uh, what are your thoughts, especially just with his addition to this 2024 class for Georgia? Well, it's obviously big. And like Rusty said, I mean, there is a value that has to be placed on in-person workouts in June and July. I mean, this is an opportunity for Georgia's coaching staff to just get an extensive look at these prospects that even – you know, us in the recruiting industry, we don't get to see what they get to see and the type of workout, the NFL style workout that they do. And Chris, he said they had to make sure this guy wasn't Chad Powers out there, you know, just hiding out there. And, he, you know, he's actually 26 years old or, you know, 36 years old playing the league 10 years because because of that arm talent and the ability to, to make those off platform throws that there's a high value on that right now because the pocket's not going to. It's just not going to be a static, you know, step up and just stand there and make that, you know, straight overhand throw. You're going to have to move around and, and change your arm angles and your launch angles. And his ability to do that and to fit the ball in the tight windows is, is what moved him up the board. And like Rusty said, there were other names in this quarterback class for 2024 that fans were familiar with. But this was one that Rusty tried to tell everyone, this is the one you need to be familiar with because this guy is very high on Georgia's board. Obviously, other guys out there like Jaden Davis, Julian Sand, guys that, you know, had high interest in Georgia. This was the guy they chose to make sure they had on board. We'll see if they take another quarterback next cycle. I mean, there's there's a chance that, you know, they go into next year with, you know, maybe just two quarterbacks, uh, uh, scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. If someone transfers out before or after spring. So obviously they're going to need to at least take one, if not two in the next cycle. But they got one on board right now that, that fits everything that Todd Monken and that coaching staff is looking for. And I think Georgia fans should be excited you, when you get a quarterback commit on board and, and one that your coaching staff has a high value in early in the cycle. Everything else kind of falls into place. And that's kind of the, the leader of the class. And they have that guy already on board. So uh, I think Georgia has their guy and we'll, we'll see if they, they try to bring another one in. But this is a guy. Again, with the arm talent, it's it's unquestionably elite, the top top shelf of the class. And I think, you know, this time next year we'll be looking at those quarterback rankings. I think they're going to look a lot different than they do right now. 
I think Georgia would like to bring in two and 24. They probably will make every effort to do that. But today's age, it's going to be harder to bring in two guys together because of there's so much more focus on, you know, being the guy and quarterbacks and, and those type NIL opportunities, you know, those type of things. So Georgia's got one in 2024. It doesn't mean they quit recruiting those other guys. So we'll see if somebody else I, – I know they would like to do that, but like Kip just said, we have no idea what's going to happen with this quarterback room when the season's over, who's there for the spring, who's not, how many spots there. So a lot of questions. And the quarterback recruiting now, the transfer portal, is 1,000% totally different than it was what we've all covered for many years. Definitely a step in the right direction, no doubt, though, for Georgia Lane in this commitment. Uh, so we will turn the focus now to the mailbag. And like I said earlier, be sure if you're watching this, if you got questions, throw them in the comments. We'll get to them as well. We went ahead and pulled questions from the junkyard board and uh, asked some of our uh, friends on the board what they wanted to know. Uh, we're going to start off with Dog 10 who says, which freshman do you see making the biggest move for more playing time in the bye week? Uh, Kip, we'll start with you, and then Rusty jump in, and then I'll finish it off. Nice. Uh, you know what? Uh, for me, you start looking on, on each side of the ball uh, and what Georgia might need to, to look for some improvements. Mary's improvement. And, and, and on defense, it's, uh, you know, we talk about how sacks aren't the, the stat that is, is the end-all, be-all, but pressure on the quarterback is still an, an area of emphasis. I think it's an area where Georgia could probably uh, stand to get a little bit better in. So for me, I, I'm looking at Michael Williams. You know, what can he do in this bye week? Can he make a move to earn more snaps out there and, and you know, give them an impact guy off the edge? You know, they've gotten solid play so far. They got guys that can do a good job sealing the edge and, and they've done an outstanding job in, in run defense. But, you know, when it comes to affecting the quarterback, it's, it's still an area, you know, a work in progress for Georgia. So I think, you know, Michael, he's just a different guy out there. And he's a guy, you know, each week as he continues to, you know, get better and, and pick up the playbook more and, and start to, the game starts to slow down for him. I mean, he could be a guy that can earn, you know, more playing time as the season goes on. So this this bye week could be huge for him as he tries to make a move and, and get into that rotation for serious snaps. He is right there for sacks. I mean, he is – I mean, you guys watch. He is pressure. I mean, you see him, you're almost like, man – you want to get him to get that sack because he's getting so many pressures when he gets the opportunity, man. He is, I know he's got to be a little bit frustrated because he is literally one or two times a game. He is one step from getting the quarterback uh, and either flush or miss, you know, something happens. But, you know, I really like that pick there from Kip. I think I'll throw in there too, Dalen Everett, a guy we saw a little bit on Saturday, a guy that Rusty was high on going back into fall camp. I, I think he's a guy to watch. Those you know, Kamari, yeah, go ahead, Russ. No, those two, Michael and, and Dalen Everett, kind of the guys I heard some early buzz on going into fall camp. Yeah, I mean, and Dalen came in and placed at Kamari for a little bit of that game on Saturday. You know, I'm sure they'll probably stick with Kamari, and I think that was sort of a situation where, you know, Kirby was kind of uh, letting him know the mistake he had made. I think it was a missed tackle on that play that uh, yeah. Kirby kind of got in his ear after that. Yeah, is that how you call you want to have a discussion with him? Is that right, you, right. Yeah, yeah. You, so uh, we're sitting in the box there. The view we had, I could pretty much see as he was as he was a little bit heated, looking to the sideline, and he goes, and then Everett comes running in. So I, I would imagine that that run, the jog from the sideline for for Kamari Lester wasn't the best one, but that you know that was a a kind of assignment bust there, and uh, those are little teaching moments, and, and Kirby understands that you know you do that in a bigger game, and it, it, somebody take to the house on you. 
kind of going off of that question, I want to go to DJ Oreo, who says, how would you assess the play of our cornerbacks? I'll start with you, Rusty. It seems like, you know, honestly, Saturday, kind of a struggle, especially kind of uncharacteristically for Keely Ringo. Had a few mistakes. Uh, just what have you thought of the cornerback play to this point in the season? You know, the, the one question on Keely Ringo, uh, he doesn't get tested much, is does he have elite ball skills? And listen, I know he made the biggest interception in Georgia history, but, you know, there's a couple of times you you don't know how he's not able to make the play. Uh, you know, Saturday he kind of jumped a little early on that ball, and I got lucky the kid dropped it because A.J. Swan. And uh, you see sometimes some guys make some plays. It, it seems uh, tracking the ball a little bit. If you want to get real picky with Keely Ringo because – He's going to be projected to be a first-rounder, so they're going to break his tape down. Uh, he's got size, crazy speed, uh, very good with his hands. But, you know, if you want to get real picky with him, sometimes and I'm not sure. Um, I tell you, the, the person I absolutely love ball skills is uh, is um, Sto Eric Stokes. I mean, Eric Stokes, would, I mean, if it was in the air, he was either batting it down or he was getting it. And uh, he, he won every 50-50 ball, I think, in the last couple of years, other than that one Mac Jones in the back of the end zone in 20 in Tuscaloosa, which was the most perfect pass I think I've ever seen uh, for the coverage. But, you know, Kamari Lasser's a guy that's going to get – he's going to get some shots in him. And as you move forward to these passing teams, and we'll have enough talk about Tennessee and all those things, but we move forward into those types of things. Um, if if they feel like they've got somebody, they'll go out – they'll go after you. You know, we all saw Tyson Campbell as an early player, you know, go through that his freshman year, and nobody sugarcoated that. They were going after Tyson Campbell. Um, at that time, they weren't going after DeAndre Baker for sure. So Keely Ringo's earned enough respect. I, I think if you want to get picky with corners, it's going to be Keely Ringo a little bit with ball skills. And I think Kamara Laster, we're going to find out real quick. You know, for him to start at Georgia and, and for him to kind of win that battle over there, you know, he, he's had a few things here and there. But we're going to find out about the Georgia secondary. I will say this. Uh, I'm interested in watching Malachi Starks and, and uh, to, to be able to – kind of showcase more his coverage uh, in these next few games and see where he is because I think he is a player uh, that Georgia got better in a hurry with him in the lineup. Yeah, this secondary is definitely going to get tested, uh, especially coming really right out of this bye week, playing Florida. Kip, uh, what are your thoughts on how the corners have played at this point? I think it's exactly uh, – you kind of mentioned it. They're untested. I don't think we know. And I don't think they're going to be able to if, – if these guys – are overall uh, a liability, uh, Georgia's not going to be able to hide it. And it comes right back to my Michael Williams statement. They're going to need to be able to affect the quarterbacks because you don't want to leave these guys out in an island for more than three seconds, four seconds to let these plays develop and then also let you know let these guys go uh, off script a little bit and, and, and start going out there and, you know, and breaking off the routes. These are these wide receivers for, you know, we'll just talk about Tennessee. These are guys that can get separation easily. And you don't want to let them out there and, and, and let them get past some of Georgia's defensive backs. So I think, hey, you look at Chris Smith, you look at Malachi Starks, these are guys that I think are going to be strengths for Georgia in coverage. They're going to have to help out a little bit because, the you know, the, these cornerbacks right now for Georgia, they've played solid, but they haven't been pushed to the limit. They haven't been, you know, they haven't been stressed. And I, I think that's that's an aspect that, like Rusty says, we don't know yet. Uh, so I, I would give kind of an incomplete grade to Georgia's cornerbacks right now. I, th I think they've done a solid job. They've had some ups and downs. And, and I think some of those mistakes kind of get, you know, magnified because Georgia's defense has played stellar again. We came into this season saying, hey, the offense is going to be the one carrying the team, but the defense is playing 
so far they've played at the level overall of last year. It's just the fact that the you know maybe the three four best teams on the schedule have yet and they haven't played them yet. And so I just think right now you, you don't really know, uh, but you hope that they're able to rise up and, and continue to improve their level of play and prove a smart show out there. If you're, if you're not playing to the standard or if you have those mental lapses, the next guy is going to be right there, whether it's, you know, uh, Dalen Everett or it's Jaheim Singletary or, or, or whether it's Nylon Green. Uh, that's why you recruit these guys because you want them to be ready to step up if, if you need to, and you also want them – pushing each other so that the best guys are on the field. And not to put all the focus on Tennessee, because I know that's what everybody's talking about, but you know, mm. people people need to remember too, Cedric Tillman didn't play in that Alabama game and he's probably Tennessee's best receiver. So yeah. I, I don't know the timeline on when he's back, but that's only going to complicate the matter. I'll tell you this. I I sat on the board yesterday and we got a million things to talk about that week, but I was very surprised at the amount of zone Alabama played. Um, I don't know if Georgia's going to get a better result, but I can assure you Georgia's going to play a lot more man-to-man. They're going to challenge those receivers. Uh, they're not going to free release those guys, but I'm not trying to be the X and O guy, but that's one thing that kind of stood out to me. Like, man, that, that I was very surprised and, and, and Tennessee torched them, especially on the back end. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get back with some more questions. Again, I want to say thanks to everybody who's watching this live on YouTube and Facebook. Be sure to go to the Docs 247 YouTube page and subscribe. we got all kinds of good content there. Uh, but we'll take a quick break and then uh, come back and answer more of your questions. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back, everybody. Well, we will jump back to another question from DJ Oreo, who says, do you believe the return of A.D. Mitchell will significantly boost our downfield passing game, or is it this just a team that needs to win with extra passes to the tight ends? Kip, uh, what are your thoughts on the fact they're playing without A.D.? I really do feel like, in my opinion, not having A.D. is kind of a missing piece, not having that wide receiver one. Uh, but what are your thoughts on how they've been able to play with number five unavailable and what it might look like when he comes back. Well, it definitely shrinks the passing game down. And, I mean, you, you just look at Georgia is one of the 10 best passing teams in the country, but they are getting – I mean, they're they're not stretching the field. Uh, Stetson Bennett is, is doing most of his damage. I mean, I would say 10 yards or fewer on most of his throws. I, I think he's got over 130 throws that are nine yards or fewer in the air. And then you look over 10 yards, he's got less than 100 throws over 10 yards. So you you know that Georgia is asking its wide receivers to uh, to do a lot after the catch. I don't know if they're top 10, top 20 in yards after the catch, but they're probably top 25. 
And so this is not an offense that is stretching defenses. They're just, again, getting the guys the ball to their playmakers and letting them do what they can. That's by design. That's what Todd Monken wants right now because they're having a lot of success on that. And Sets and Bennett's been accurate and efficient that way. But, I mean, you also have to look at the personnel. You got good tight ends. You got tailbacks who can make plays in space. You got receivers that have short area quickness run good routes, have good hands, but aren't stretching the defense. And you bring in, you know, A.D. Mitchell, you have Arian Smith out there. Those are your downfield guys, guys that can win the 50-50 ball, guys that can break tackles, also guys that can stretch the defense. So that's one aspect of this offense that isn't there, but they've played well without those guys on the field. It just adds an element to this offense that makes them even harder to predict. Rusty, uh, what do you think about what this offense has looked like without AD in the fold? Um, kind of, uh, you know, he's a he, he's um he's a fifty fifty guy. I mean, he wins those fifty fifty balls. You know what I mean? And uh, Javon Williams was that guy. You know, basically after that Florida game that year, when Jake Fromm kind of you know found him, so to speak. You know, he started that was his back shoulder guy and. Um, A.D. Mitchell, the national championship, that was a 50-50 ball he goes and gets. So, you know, that's what he brings. Um, you know, I still – I still – you know, somehow, some way, they've got to get Arian Smith going and not just on a fly route. You know, I mean, this guy is explosive. Not there every day, so don't know. But they've got to find a way to get him the ball. The one thing you, you kind of smile about, for a million different reasons is Dominique Blaylock because Dominique Blaylock is a palace, a polished route runner. He's got great hands. He's not a burner, but he runs his route so crisp. He can create enough separation. And if you get it anywhere near his hands, Dom, Dom Blaylock is going to snag it. So that's kind of a positive going into it. But AD Mitchell is kind of that guy for Georgia that, uh, you know, he gives them an added element where you can't just lock in on those tight ends because of the fact of, uh, you know, he can get you over the top and, and you got to know where he is lined up wise, uh, personnel wise. Yeah. I mean, Dom, I think has been one of the revelations without AD and that route, you know, mentioning his route running that route he ran on that touchdown. That was pretty on yeah, Saturday. And, and you see the, just a little, if you watch NFL, that the throws are so tight and the coverage is so tight. Um, you know, if you can get that split second, of of separation and that's why you count those steps you run those reps you give that head fake you put your foot in the ground you're able to turn you know 90 degrees away from that defender and and seeing dom do that after what he's been through man that, that was special saturday now the relax the reaction from georgia's offense for dominique blaylock and eric gilbert were, were two things you can see there was a lot into it and those kids were they were just as happy for their teammates because they know what they've been through it was so cool talking to some of the teammates after the game and wrote a couple stories about each of those guys because, like Rusty said, you could tell that their teammates understood how big those moments were for them and really cool just to see that reaction for, for teammates seeing other guys be able to succeed, and that was really neat. Um, going to the next question, Fry Dog says, what is the biggest key for Georgia to run the gauntlet after the bye week? You know, we talk obviously a lot already already uh, on this podcast about – Tennessee, but it's not just Tennessee. It's Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and, you know, a Georgia Tech team that at least looks back on track with Brent Key running the show. 
Uh, start with you, Kip. What do you feel like is the biggest thing that has to happen, what Georgia has to do uh, to put itself in a position where by the time we get to December, we're looking at this team as a legitimate playoff contender? Continued progress on the offensive line. They, they've looked better the last couple of weeks. And like we said, we kind of know who their top guys are. Uh, again, Amarius Mims, when he, when he gets on the field, he's continued to look better every week. He's a different guy. How do you continue to make sure you get him snaps and get him in a rotation to where you don't lose your rhythm? You know, is he going to be the entrenched starter? You know, that is he going to be the right tackle? Are you going to have him in at left tackle? You need to figure out what lineup gives you the best chance to win because you have to be able to, again, run the football and protect Stetson Bennett for longer against these teams the rest of the year. You might be in some shootouts and you're going to be able to have sustained drives keep that, you know, keep your defense rested as best you can and, and be able to to get third and short. You know, that that's a new, kind of an aspect, especially in the red zone. Uh, Georgia, you know, that's not – they haven't been at their best in the red zone. They have to continue to progress in that area because they're going to have to make sure that they, they're not settling for field goals in some of these shootouts. You know, that could be all the difference in the game. And to be able to do that, you got to move the chains and, and you, you have to be able to uh, give your quarterback time to, to get the ball to his playmaker. So I just think that offensive line has to continue to get better out there. And I think that's, that needs to be a big emphasis of this bye week because you're not going to get that chance again. You need to tune up and, and make sure you have your rotation set, you know, who your guys are. You got these guys playing at a high level because uh, you're really going to need them to be on the field a lot and, and, and to open up some holes in, in the run game down the stretch. I'll ask you, Rusty, what do you feel like is the biggest key for Georgia to be that playoff contender once we get to December? I, I hate to sound like Kirby here, but it is truly day by day, week by week, because this is not an easy gauntlet you're about to go through, and you're getting later in the year. A loss to any one of these teams makes it really, really hard to to get to your goal. So uh, I don't think this Georgia team will have any problem uh, keeping focus Every week, I know the Georgia fans, this Tennessee game is at home. Everybody's talking about it. I see no issues with this Georgia team being able to focus, going to Jacksonville on a team they should beat. Um, and then, you know, if you were to take care of Tennessee, man, it doesn't get any easier. You go straight to Starkville. And I've said it from the August. This is a game that would make me really, really nervous because of what they do schematically. Um, and in Georgia's secondary, I mean, if you don't get tested on November 5th, November 12th, you will. Uh, for sure, patience and those types of things. So then you got Kentucky, another physical football team with potential number one draft pick, Will Levis, a quarterback. And then, like you said, Jordan, Brent Key's got Georgia Tech um, a lot different shape right now. So I think Georgia, it's day-to-day, week-by-week. Um, they really – they desperately needed this bye week, and everybody does when you get to the SEC in the bye week. But they got to get yourself together. And they got to get ready um, to go on this 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 uh, back end of the schedule, you know, potentially heading into the SC championship and where they go from there. My biggest key, which is going to go into another question that we had, which was Suave Tank, who said, is the lack of a pass rush a concern? And, and going with that question, to me, that is going to be the biggest part of Georgia's second half because of the guys we just talked about. Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis. Uh, you know, I think that those guys and also Will Rogers with the way he runs that Mike Leach offense, I understand that, you know, sacks are not going to be the be all end all because, you know, it's more about affecting the quarterback. You don't necessarily got to get them to the ground. But if you give these guys time, they're going to have the ability to make plays. And to me, when I if you 
you know, if we were to fast forward a few months and we say, okay, Georgia end of the year 11 and one, or, you know, they lost one of these games to me, my diagnosis would probably be that one of those quarterbacks put together a really, really strong game. And to me, it's all about the pass rush. It's being able to affect those guys and being able, especially do it early, get those guys, you know, I went back last night and was watching that Tennessee Alabama game and they got after Bryce Young. I mean, really, especially early in that game. Uh, you know, to me, Georgia doesn't have to have a game where it's got it's got four or five sacks, but they have got to consistently make those guys uncomfortable um, because these are these are, you know, prime time, uh, big time quarterbacks. And if they give them a lot of time, it could be really ugly for a defense. One thing we, you see Saturday was environment in Knoxville. So, you know, Sanford Stadium's got to be play a role as well in, in that game as we get into that crowd and you know, what Tennessee does to you offensively. So, you know, I know Tennessee is – they're so fast and they do things. To me, they did not look like exactly like last year. You know, you're not seeing so many of the quote-unquote cramp. Uh, they, they, they don't run it quite as fast, uh, but they're still – they bring something different. Mississippi State brings something different. Kentucky brings something different. Um, so, you know, after this, you know, whatever you prepare for with Florida, I have one question. Somebody texted me just now and said, does Georgia prepare for Tennessee during the bye week? They will probably put in something, but their focus right now will be on them for a couple of practices, and they'll probably put some Florida install in, and they may look at one thing uh, Tennessee-wise, but uh, it will certainly be practice for Georgia and working on their team, and then probably at the last at the end of the week, maybe Thursday, do a little install for Florida and get ready for next week. I talked about it, I think, on one of these podcasts, and this was way back in fall camp. One thing I can tell you they were preparing for Tennessee was the tempo. You you heard oh, yeah. you heard Kirby yelling, Tennessee, Tennessee, trying to get guys lined up. So mm-hmm. that part of the you know, that piece of the puzzle won't be something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kip, what are your thoughts on the pass rush? You know, we haven't seen a ton of sacks. I think Georgia's had seven sacks in seven games, which is if I'm remembering yes. they're they're tied for like hundred and twenty third in the nation. Uh, is that yeah. a concern, and and how important do you feel like that will be going into these next games? 125th. It's oh. uh, it's not an aspect. If you you talk about Georgia's defense, there's you know they're once again they're a top ten defense in the country. You you'd surprise a lot of people if you told them, hey, they're last in the SEC. It's one sack a game. They've never averaged under I think 1.7 in 2018 is the lowest they've had under Kirby Smart. So. That is an aspect of this defense. It's definitely different. And again, you got to go with the personnel you have. If they don't have that guy they think, you know, is going to get home, then it the cost is too high sending guys. And I think that's, that's where Georgia's defense is, is where they've already assessed what the cost would be to be able to rack up sacks. And, and that cost is explosives down the field. And they don't want that. They, they, they'd rather the play stretch let their secondary and their linebackers, uh, you know, lock onto their keys, get their guy, their assignments, and, and allow their front to, you know, eventually make force that quarterback to make a bad decision, even if they're not getting home. And I think that's just the scheme that Georgia's in. You saw again, you saw Alabama against Tennessee. They had a top defense as well, and, and they got, you know, they got carved up. So, does Georgia need to change something before the Tennessee game? I, I, I'm not sure. Like Rusty said, they're probably focused on Anthony Richardson stopping him right now. Whether or not they need to use, you know, a spy on him, you know, whether or not that, you know, they just put Nolan Smith on him. It worked last year fairly well doing what they did. 
They don't have those guys on defense, but I think, you know, a similar scheme could probably work this year. But if you're looking at, to try to stop some of these high-powered uh, passing attacks, will they have to send somebody else to get home? I, I think that's something you got to look at. But, you know, I don't, I don't think Georgia's going to, you know, they're not going to give you those answers until they get on the field. I just think that's something they'll probably keep and practice uh, during the bye week and, and, and see if they change anything in those games. Before we get out of here, I'll bring back uh, my future award-winning men's basketball minute on the podcast. Had a chance on Saturday before the Vanderbilt game. Went to Stegman Coliseum, got to watch the men's basketball team practice. Thought they looked pretty good. I thought that, uh, you know, I, I didn't get a good feel for what the starting five will be once we get to that first game. They have an exhibition on Halloween night. Um, so that'll be an opportunity to watch them. But really liked what I saw. Really thought that Cario and Cario looks good. Uh, Terry Roberts, the guard they got from Bradley, I think he may wind up being the starting point guard. Um, had some really good moves, had some good handle. Wanted to make sure and point out that on Wednesday morning, I'm going up to Birmingham uh, to go to SEC Men's Basketball Media Day. We'll have a chance to talk to Mike White and some of the players and get a feel for sort of how things are coming together. You know, this is a situation where this is a rebuild. I'll be very <laughs> interested to see where Georgia is projected. It's uh, very possible that Georgia is uh, projected by the media to finish last in the SEC, but, you know, we'll see how that kind of comes together and get a feel, too, from some of the other teams there and some of the coaches just about Georgia and sort of the rebuild that they have done this offseason. So, when is that? When is that? That's going to be on Wednesday. So uh, coming up tomorrow as we record this, uh, we'll have a chance to go up there and talk to those guys and, and get ready. Same Hoover, same place? I, I don't think it is. It's in Birmingham, but I'm not positive if it's where they have the, the SEC football media days. Gotcha. They have 31 games or 32 games on the schedule this year. 31, I think. You're putting me on the spot, but I don't know for sure. Let's see. Let's, let's go 16 and 15. I think, I, I think my guess was – 13 and 18, something like that. Like, you know, probably sneak a few. I'm thinking Missouri or South Carolina in that conference schedule. Maybe you can snag a couple wins there. I like it. My guy, Jordan Harris, who's always on. I normally don't give a lot of recruiting stuff here, but he is always on. So, Jordan, give you a little recruiting tidbit. Um, this this is not going to be a completely quiet week on the old recruiting trail. So, expect Georgia to add a commit at some point uh, before this week is over with. Anytime we can sneak a rusty rambling on the very end of a podcast, that's when you know it's a good podcast. Jordan, we're going to get it. We're gonna Jordan, go. yeah, Jordan, okay. Harris, Jordan Harris earned that one. He, he's on here. He's, he's loyal. Rusty bomb. And given, given. So there's, there's your little sneak peek there. Jordan Harris, I think, gets on these calls before we do. So you got you to gotta shout him out. No doubt. Well, all right, we're going to wrap it up right there. Appreciate Rusty and Kip for popping on. Appreciate all you guys who are watching live or listening to this after the fact. We appreciate y'all's support. Uh, make sure and subscribe to the Dogs247 YouTube channel and, and uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're going to get out of here on that. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. Until next time, take care. Time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good. 
for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.